At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Last year, we launched our course, The Data-Driven Classroom, and had hundreds of educators and clinicians take this course with consistently amazing feedback. I heard from so many teachers how this course really changed the way they approached data, how they were able to set up simple data systems, train their paras, and be collecting data to make data-based decisions within days of finishing the course. That feedback made me so happy. Now that course has been closed and unavailable since last year, but guess what? We are reopening the course, the data-based classroom, and I want you to be one of the first ones in. If data is something you have been struggling with for years, let's work on this together. Let me give you all of the tools to make this something that can consistently happen in your classroom. And guess what? Since you are a podcast listener, and I absolutely love my podcast listeners, I have an awesome code for you. When you use the code DATA100, you're going to get $100 off of the course bundle. Now, this code is only going to be usable until March 20th. So you only have one week to use this code, but Data 100 will get you $100 off of that course bundle. So that means for less than $200, you are getting the amazing data toolkit with literally hundreds of data sheets, all editable. And don't worry, I teach you how to edit it. And that entire data-driven course that touches on academic data, behavior data, staff training, and so much more. There's a link in the show notes with all of the information. Let's make this year the year that data really works. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. of the classroom setup process is data. And this might not initially seem like something that's part of classroom setup. It probably seems like one of those things that you can just deal with later, right? You get your classroom set up, you get your materials going, you get your staff trained, then I'll deal with data. And if you've ever had that mentality, you probably know how this story ends. You never get to it right? You're going to blink and it's going to be April and all of your best intentions of taking all the data this school year are out the window. Because that's how we all start the school year, right? You promise yourself, you're like, this is the year, this is it. Everyone talks about data and this is going to be the year that I do it. I take all the data. And maybe you do set up all of your data systems in the fall. You get your data binders ready, you get everything organized and color-coded and color-coordinated and beautiful. And you take data all of August, all of September, you are on it. And then something happens. Maybe you get a new student. Maybe the systems in place just weren't something you could maintain. And suddenly that consistency starts to slide a little bit. 
You only have a handful of data points for October. In November, you don't even know where the data binder is. And then in February, you find it on the bottom of a file cabinet, totally dusty and forgotten about. We've all been there. We have great intentions of collecting data like we should. But the problem is if we don't embed it into the way our classroom runs, we're not going to use the data systems every single day. And that's what you need to do. You need your data system to be so easy that it's almost no extra work to take data while providing instruction. It's really my mantra when it comes to data collection setup. If it's not easy, you won't use it. I don't care how organized, how thorough, how detailed, how beautiful. If you're not going to use it on a daily basis it, it because it's not easy, then you're not going to use that data all the time and it's not something that's useful. So we've spent a lot of time talking about the way we structure our classroom, we set up schedules, we set up visuals as we go through this podcast series of the seven steps for setting up a stellar autism classroom. So in this data step, we want to look at embedding the data collection system into everything you've set up. So it's part of all your centers. It's part of your staff training. It's really a part of your classroom and you need it to be that way. Data is the backbone of your class. It lets you know if things are working. It lets you know if things aren't working. It lets you see the progress that your students are making. It lets you see that negative behaviors are decreasing and positive behaviors are increasing. You need that data to make important decisions. We cannot rely on just our opinions. And it's not because I don't love your opinions. I do. I love your opinions. You have great opinions. But we are not objective. Our perspective gets clouded by the day-to-day activities of our classroom. And that's okay. That's human nature. We really want our students to learn and excel. So we might just be assuming that our students are learning and excelling, but maybe they're not. Also, our opinions don't pick up on small variations that data and numbers will show us, little increases or little decreases, or when things just plateau and aren't changing. We aren't always able to pick up on that. Also, we might get used to things pretty quickly. Special ed teachers have this amazing skill of habituation. You've probably heard me talk about this before because I talk about this a lot. And this is a great quality. This keeps us in our jobs. This keeps us when going and going when the days get really hard. And I kind of call this special ed nose blind. You know those Febreze commercials where everyone else smells the wet dog, but you don't smell it because you live with the wet dog? That's kind of becomes our lives. As the year goes on, we get used to the typical state of our classroom. So maybe in September, what was a really, really hard day, like super hard, you go home at four o'clock, you eat ice cream for dinner, and you tell your roommate or your spouse, you're like, you know what? I'm quitting. I'm over it. I'm going to go work at Target. I'm going to get the discount. I've already got a red polo. I'm set. You're done. The exact same day could happen in February. And you're like, you know what? Today was pretty good. I only got bit three times. 
And then you say a sentence like that and you realize that that's not a normal sentence to be saying. And you realize that the behaviors of your students haven't changed. Your students haven't been increasing their pro-social communicative skills and decreasing their negative aggressive behaviors. You've just gotten used to it. And that's dangerous because we are not causing positive behavior change. And if we had data on our side, we would know that. But when we rely on just our opinions and thinking things are pretty good, we don't know exactly what's going on. So we need the numbers to back up our decisions and really help us make those decisions. Okay, so maybe I've sold you on the whole data thing. If you're new around here, I'm not going to stop talking about data ever because I love it. That's why it needs its own step in the seven steps. So today we're going to talk about two types of data collection systems. One, your academic data collection system, and two, your behavior data. So one, with your academic data, you really want to embed this into the different centers or parts of your classroom. And it is super important that you listen to this part. For academic data, you as the teacher and your paraprofessionals or classroom assistants will be collecting data. It needs to be a team approach. You cannot possibly take data on all of the IP goals by yourself. You need your team. That's why they're there. And if you are someone that is super type A and just loves doing everything yourself, I get it. I feel you. I am the same way, but you've got to get over it and move on. And you've got to teach your team how to take data like a pro. That's your job to teach them that skill. So if they're not good at it now, apply that growth mindset that we talked about way back in podcast episode number two and say they're not good at data collection yet. And part of your classroom setup process is training your staff to take data just as great as you do. So start to think about that as you're setting up your data collection systems. If some of your centers are run by educational assistants, think about how they will be instructing a group, um, implementing materials or resources, and taking data at the same time. So you really want to think about how that will look. So to start off, first you want to kind of pick how the organization of the data sheets will go. And there's kind of two schools of thought on this, and I honestly really like both. It's whatever works best for you. You can either organize your data by student, or you can organize your data by center. There's, kind, there's pros and cons to both. I've used both. I like both. It's just your personal preference. You can even do a little hybrid of the both. So organizing your data by student would be that all of Johnny's data is in one spot. His math data, his language arts, his behavior, his social skills, everything is in one binder, one clipboard, one data sheet even. You could have one data sheet for the week and have each goal have a separate little spot. It's all consolidated and together. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The nice parts about this is it's really easy to see if you are lacking in a certain area of data collection. It's easy to see as a week or month or quarter goes by if you've really been missing out on some part of the academic instruction, like maybe you really haven't gotten a science as much as you'd like to, you will notice that very easily. This makes updating IEPs, progress reports, report cards, conferences, all things like that pretty easy because if Johnny's mom shows up and wants to know how he's doing, you just grab Johnny's clipboard and you can give her a really thorough depiction of his current progress right at that moment. What you want to think about is how that data will move around the classroom because Johnny's likely not going to be sitting in his desk the whole day from 8.30 to 3.30 just in one spot and that's where all of his data will be collected. No, he will likely have data collected at multiple points of his day. So maybe when he's in circle time, um, you're going to be collecting some data on his social skills goal. Maybe when he's at workstations, you're collecting some data for his independent functioning goal. When he's at uh, group work, you're doing guided reading centers, you're collecting language arts data. So it's going to be in different areas of the classroom. You need that data sheet to be there when Johnny is exhibiting those behaviors for you to take data on. You cannot remember how many times he requested help or how many times he answered a peer's question or how many times he answered a who, what, or where question about the text and then go back to the data sheet later and write it down. You simply won't remember. It's okay. None of us could. So you need the data sheet to be there when he's doing those skills. So you need it to be at the guided reading groups at 1030 when he's doing those lovely WH questions. And then you also need it to be at work task boxes at one o'clock when he's doing all that great independent work. So you just have to figure out a system for how it's moving. Maybe it's part of Johnny's schedule. Johnny has a binder schedule and the data is in the back and he carries the binder with him everywhere and the schedule and the data is right on the back of the schedule. So everyone knows it's right there. Maybe it's something you pass off. Maybe it's a Velcroed clipboard that people grab before they go to their centers. The staff member does it. So that's just something you logistically have to think about. If you've got little itty bitty babies that are just learning how to use a movable piece schedule, I definitely wouldn't count on a three or four year old carrying their schedule piece plus their data binder. So just think about, you know, the logistics of your classroom and how that looks. Then think about for the data organized by center as an option, the pros and cons of that. So in data organized by student, all of Johnny's data is on one sheet or in one spot. For data organized by center, Johnny's data is at every single part of the class he goes to. So when he goes to guided reading groups, there is a binder right there that has a data sheet for Johnny's guided reading data. When he goes to work tasks, there's a different data sheet over there for his independent work data. When he goes to morning circle time, there's data sheets by morning circle time for his social skills data. So you can think about it that it it will be easier potentially on a day-to-day basis because everything is right where you need it. But if you want to make sure to be really thorough and that you're getting to all those IEP goals every day or every week, how are you going to be able to check in on all that? 
when you're updating IEPs or report cards, you're gonna have to kind of go to each spot. You have to be maybe a little bit more involved and be a little bit more hands-on on making sure that data collection is happening in every part of the day. Whichever system you choose, it just has to work for you. If you decide to organize your data by student and mid-October, it's just not happening, switch it up. We have to be more okay with being wrong. It's okay to be wrong. Just do try a different option. If something logistically just didn't happen, try to think about what what was it that made this difficult and how could we remove that obstacle when we're setting up a new data collection system? Whichever system you use, you basically want the time between Johnny sitting down and doing a behavior and you finding the exact point of the data sheet where you're going to write something down, you want that time frame to be as little as possible. So from the second Johnny sits down at guided reading and answers a who question, you want to be able in the quickest amount of time possible to find the part of the data sheet that's for language arts data to be able to put a plus that Johnny got that question right. So thinking about this, whether it's in a clipboard, whether it's in a file folder, whether it's in a binder, you just want it super organized. I am all about colored tabs. I'm all about post-its. I'm all about dividers. Whatever will make it as fast as possible to find the right spot. Because the obstacle of flipping a bunch of pages to find that right part of a data sheet is going to be the obstacle that makes or breaks data collection actually happening. And when you sit and think about it, when you're not in the classroom, it kind of seems silly. You're like, just find the data sheet. What is the big deal? Gosh. But in the moment, when you have a child sitting in front of you and he's ready to learn and he's engaged and he's looking at you, you're not going to be like, Okay, honey, hold on one second. Let me go find your data sheet over there and I'll be right with you. Because what's going to happen when you get back to him? You think he's still sitting there? You think he's still angelic looking? Heck no, he probably found an iPad. He's running down the hallway. He's doing something fun. So when our kids are ready to learn and engaged, we want to stay right there with them and not miss a beat and have that data sheet right there. So that's why I really stress and focus the speed of finding the data sheet, the speed of finding the right part of the data sheet. So organization is key to this. All the tabs, all the dividers, all the sticky notes. So the second Johnny sits down, you know exactly where to go in your data binder. The same is going to go for your data sheets. My first year teaching, the district gave us a data sheet that was supposed to work for all of our goals, academic goals, behavior goals. First of all, the font was so small, I could barely read it. It was like a size 6.5 font. There were so many grid lines and bullet points and and abbreviations, and I could barely understand this data sheet, and I thought that we had to use it. So I was like kind of always writing things in weird spots and making photocopies of ones that I had annotated to make it make sense to me, and then I quickly realized that, guess what? No one really looked at my data, but don't worry, I still took it because I needed it, and I started making my own data sheets. And oh my gosh, it was a million times easier to take data once I made a data sheet that made sense. So I am all about specific data sheets that are easy, 
Easy, easy, easy. You want it super simple. You want something that's fast. I love abbreviations and codes where you can circle something for a prompt level. Rubrics are great for more complex skills. I have a million and a half blog posts on all of this. So I will link a bunch of my data blog posts posts in the show notes to so you can check out kind of the visuals of a lot of those. But basically when it comes down to it, I don't really care what the data sheet looks like as long as it's going to be easy to use. And I want it to be easy to use for you and easy to use for your staff. So I mentioned in the start of talking about academic data that this is a team endeavor. So this is going to be the same thing for our behavior data, but we have to make this something you do with your paraprofessionals. So as you go through and start to organize your data, either by student or by center, be thinking about how you will be teaching this to your team, because you'll have to be spending some time showing them how to use these data sheets. So really think about that as you're setting them up and make sure that you're going to give that option for flexibility of if it's not working for someone. Hey, how can we switch this up and make this easier for you? Because it not only needs to be quick for you, it needs to be quick for your staff. So next up, behavior data. So behavior data is going to be a little bit different than academic data because it's likely going to happen all around our room or even all around the school building, right? Problem behaviors don't just happen during certain parts of the day, right? That'd be too easy. Problem behaviors can happen on the playground or in the hallway or during dismissal. Those are times of day that are particularly hard. So it's no surprise that problem behaviors will pop up then. So we want our behavior data system to be something that not only is easy, and I know this sound I sound like a broken record with it being easy, but something that can move with us. And behavior data is more complicated because problem behaviors are likely more complicated than academic behaviors. You're not going to be in the middle of a meltdown or a tantrum with a student and be like, hold on, honey, let me go write down how many kicks that was or how many minutes this has been going on. No, you're likely helping that student work through it. You're likely helping that student stay safe or helping other students stay safe. Data is in those moments likely not in the forefront of your mind, but it should be. Because when it comes to our classrooms, the number one most important thing every single day is keeping those babies safe. And I say babies, even if you are a high school teacher, because Johnny, who's 200 pounds and 18 years old and way taller than you, is someone's baby. And mom and dad is putting him on the bus every day. And maybe Johnny can't talk that much or can't express if he feels scared or uncomfortable. And it is our job and our responsibility that we should take very seriously to keep every single one of those babies safe every day. And I know you all agree with me on this. And if we really truly believe that and we want that to be the number one priority every single day, then we have to be taking data on problem behaviors because problem behaviors are what can cause challenges to that number one goal of safety, right? If we have situations where students are aggressive or self-injurious, that can cause problems with kids getting hurt. And when it comes to decreasing problem behaviors, in order to do so effectively and efficiently, we need to be collecting data. We cannot think 
a strategy or a behavior plan is working. When it comes to something serious and dangerous, we need to know that a strategy is working. A lot of the behavior plans and strategies that we are asking our teams to use and that we are using ourselves are difficult. They're hard to implement. And we need to know for a fact that that that, that strategy is working if we are going through all the effort to use that strategy. And that's what data will do. Data will make sure that you know for a fact that this strategy is working. And you know what? Data that shows that it's not working is just as useful because then we'll know that, hey, this isn't the correct strategy for Johnny right now. I need to do something different. All of that data-based decision-making that sounds so fancy and complicated, that's what that is right there. It's looking at your data and seeing, oh, wow, this is working. We should keep doing this. Or, oh, wow, this isn't working. We should do something different. That's all database decision-making is. And that's something we should be doing every single day, especially when it comes to problem behaviors. So in order to achieve that safety that we all believe in, we need to make sure that we have a very thorough and useful data collection system for problem behaviors. And this is easier said than done. Because like I said, when behaviors occur, it might be crisis time. It might be something that is potentially dangerous. So we want a system that we can easily utilize either during the behavior or immediately after a behavior occurs to track what's going on. So my kind of basic rule of three here when it comes to a behavior data collection system is it's got to be simple. I should really count how many times I've said simple or easy in this episode, but it has to be simple. Something that you can do tallies, something that you can circle the function, the antecedent, the consequence. You can circle the time of day, the staff member. Basically, minimal writing is key. When it comes to especially ABC data, which is your antecedent, your behavior, your consequence, If you are in the habit of taking long, long narratives to summarize that ABC, what happened before, what happened after, I challenge you to really rethink that process because it is very hard to go through a really long anecdotal narrative and try to pull out any patterns from there. And it's time consuming. Writing down two or three pages after every episode takes a lot of time. So think about something that's more of a checklist style because not only is a lot quicker, it's a lot more useful. And I will link um, a blog post about that in the show notes as well. So one, has to be simple. Two, where you keep this data sheet and this data system is important. It has to be something that's pretty centrally located, something that's in the middle of your room, maybe something that's at the student's desk. I love clipboards that are Velcroed to the wall because you can grab them off and bring them with you anywhere. Maybe you do some type of a zoned or a time schedule system with your team. Like when Johnny's on this part of the room, I'll take data. When he's over there, Sharon, you take data. When he's over there, John, you take data. So you kind of switch it up like that. You can easily pass the data sheet around. Something that you can grab when you leave the room, something that you can grab when a data, a bigger behavior episode is happening, you can grab it quickly. So it has to be central. And then three, again, we need that whole team. When it comes to something as serious as 
aggression or some type of disruptive problem behavior, you cannot be taking all the data by yourself. You need some type of system, like I said, you know, a zone system or a schedule system where you can pass it off to other team members. The key here is training. And I have two episodes on staff training where I get super detailed in this. So definitely check those out. I think it's episodes number one and episodes number three. Staff training is so essential for number one, implementing the behavior plan correctly, but then collecting data the right way. Because you really want the data to be consistent. You want the way you collect data on a meltdown to be the same way as your paraprofessional collects data on a meltdown. And that might be very different because this isn't as concrete or specific as maybe answering a who question. A meltdown can last from two minutes to 200 minutes. It can be pretty mild or pretty severe. So you want to make sure that you get very detailed and very specific with how you define your problem behaviors in your behavior plan because that makes the data collection process easier. People aren't trying to summarize. They know exactly what to take data on because you really, really um, pinpointed that behavior. Also check out Bridget's episode on pinpointing the behaviors. I'll um, link that in the show notes as well. That can be really useful when thinking about problem behaviors because you want to get specific so we all are counting the same thing. All right, so moral of the story when it comes to setting up your data systems. One, if it's not easy, you won't use it. So be on the never-ending search for the easy data system, something that you use all the time. And you will know it's not easy if you're not using it at all. So if you're midway through the year and you're really not taking as much data as you'd like, go back to the drawing board and think about what you can change about your data system to make it easier. You might think, oh, but this is so easy. I just grab this and do this and it shouldn't be a big deal. But if you're not using it, then it is too complicated. So think about something that you can realistically do while you're teaching your class, while you have other responsibilities to do, something that you can easily utilize at the same time. The second big takeaway point is don't make this an afterthought. I include this in part of the classroom setup process because if you think about it while you're creating centers, while you're creating IEP goals, while you're creating academic programs, if you think about it now, it will be so much easier to actually accomplish because you will think about all of those logistical obstacles that might prevent data collection. You'll think about it now and you'll get those obstacles right out of the way. You can't collect all the data yourself. So if you think about it now, you can set up centers where your paraprofessionals will be working on IEP goals. You can train them. You guys can work together. And suddenly your paraprofessionals are collecting data every day on IEP goals. If you are pulled away for a three-day long IEP meeting, it doesn't matter because your data is still being collected in your room. So that's what you got to think about now. You got to think about how you can really embed this into your classroom. Really think about the data as the backbone of the class. So it needs to be everywhere as you're setting up your room. And if you do that, if you keep it simple and you keep it as that backbone component, I guarantee that you will be collecting data all year and not have one of those years where it stops midway.
If you would have told me a few years ago that my favorite part of my job is getting up in front of sometimes a few hundred people and giving a presentation on data or behavior academics, I would have thought you were crazy. I did not always like public speaking. Actually, to be totally honest, public speaking was something I used to be pretty afraid of. But now it's literally my favorite part of my job. I love being in a room of my people, of the special ed world, teachers and parents and clinicians, and everyone that's on the front lines that's working so hard for our students to give them the best opportunities and the best classroom experience. I love being in a room of everyone that understands how hard this job can be, but also how amazing it is and how important those little victories are on a daily basis. When I do a PD, my goal is to bring value. I want to bring action items, ideas and strategies that you can do tomorrow in your classroom. I have sat through too many professional developments that either didn't apply to me or were too hypothetical and philosophical. And my special ed heart always wanted to know, what do I do next? What do I do tomorrow? If you are interested in learning more about how I can come to your school to do a professional development, please visit theautismhelper.com backslash speaking. There's a contact form as well as a lot of information about all of the different sessions I give. I'm happy to answer any questions and work with your school district. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum, everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.